Welcome to Open Life's podcast from September 29th, 2013. Due to some technical difficulties, we weren't able to record the first three minutes of Pastor Thad's message from this Sunday, so let me give you some context as we jump into his message. We're starting a new series called People of the Second Chance, and so we start off the message by talking about Psalm 51:17. In the NIV, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Have you ever been rock bottom in your life where all you could hope to be able to do was call for help or where you just had no answers for what was going on? What we realize is that in this time of brokenness, we need to turn to Jesus. The more broken, the more potential for a beautiful redemption story. What is possible if you just embrace a chance in front of your brokenness for a second chance? God doesn't leave it to guess at all. He is faithful to reveal his heart through Jesus. A story in John 8, 2 through 11 really describes what we're talking about here. And it reads like this. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him talking about Jesus. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I continue. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. So we pick up the podcast as Thad's uh, telling a story about how um, Open Life was able to help out um, a business that many kind of cast aside and were judging. And so we pick it up in the podcast right now. Thanks for your understanding. Hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. This peekaboo is just kind of a crazy, you know, bikini baristas. They still exist in Bonnie Lake. We're still rolling with that, right? But... Uh, I remember driving up 410 one time and seeing the, the caution tape out in front of it and the, the broken window for their drive through And I was just like, immediately I felt that check, you know, like, that's not right. That's not how to communicate that you don't agree with something. That's not how to change somebody's life. That's not how to love somebody into a relationship with Jesus. What is that? I was so angered and I, I was speaking somewhere else. I was in Utah that weekend speaking and, and uh, was sharing the story and, and, and a, a special needs individual makes his way up to me after the service. I told the story about where we were located. They might have seen us on national television because of Peekabrew, you know, and, uh, and so they're, uh, everybody chuckles and laughs and I say Peekabrew and they're like, ha, 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 you know, and then this guy walks up afterwards and hands me 50 bucks and says, you go tell those girls that Jesus would not throw a stone, referring back to this passage right here. And I was like, whoa, yes, exactly. I remember coming back, and we, uh, we talked to our team, and we said, okay, let's, go, let's replace that window. Let's go give money to Peekaboo and replace the window. And said, I said to Dana, 
going to peekaboo today, right? <laughs> Honey, it's a sacrifice for Jesus. I'm going to go over there. <laughs> Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it was awkward for me, honestly. I, you know, was, drove up to Peekaboo, and I was, like, handing them an envelope of a large quantity of money, just going, here, it's for you, you know. It's a bunch of money. Sir, we don't do that for... No, 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 that's not why I'm giving you a bunch of money. It's just for your window, you know. So it's just kind of interesting to uh, do that. And then my favorite note, to this day, I still have the thank you note from them, uh, signed by all the baristas before they went out of business, saying, uh, you know, thanks for just saying, like, expressing love to us. And, and honestly, a bunch of people ended up coming to Open Life because of that story. That story somehow spread, and uh, just like this story had to have spread. This story of Jesus, like, just full-on not following the old rule, not being the religious elite that, that looked down on this gal. And this wasn't the first time. Interesting enough, this is in John 8. In John 4, if you've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you've read John, it's always the first book I encourage people to read because it just tells you over and over again, God loves you. God loves you until you have to, like, believe it by the time you get through this book of John. In John 4, he has to go. Jesus is compelled to go to this well in Samaria. And who does he meet there? But this Sumerian woman who it says has had many husbands and the one she was currently with was not her own. So she was an adulteress at the well. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't pick the rocks off the well and chuck them at her and kill her, right? He doesn't stone her either. His disciples come and they're shocked to see him speaking with her. Probably because they were like, if you knew she was an adulteress, you should have stoned her. But he didn't. He loved her. She went back to her town and let, told people that she thought she met the Son of God, the Messiah, and they came back out and met Christ for themselves, and they all chose to follow Jesus, transformed a city, and it wouldn't have transformed a city if he would have stoned her. And now here he is again in John 8, confronted with the same sin, the same issue, and has another opportunity before a crowd to prove the religious rulers should change their tactics. Have you ever heard of where Rochester, Washington is? Do you know where Rochester, Washington? That's where I grew up. Um, I grew up down in, in Rochester from the age of 4 to 15. A great place for, I, I have two older brothers. Great place for boys. 365-acre farm. You know, we would climb up trees and get stuck in them and stuff like that. You know, it was just perfect. And uh, you could run around. Right at the back of our house was the Capitol Forest. Just forest, acres and acres and acres and acres of forest, which was just a blast to play in. You would see every kind of wildlife in our yard. You know, wolves, mountain lion, bears, everything. And so it was just, it was crazy growing up. But the road that went by us went kind of, it was just totally secluded, you know, up into the Capitol Forest. And oftentimes, uh, local farmers, or we had a fish farm right close to us, like our neighbor was a mile away, so not close, close, but like close in farm world, uh, that, that, that often these farmers would take, instead of paying to correctly have their waste disposed of, they would haul it up this road, Parish Road, up into the forest, and they would dump it 
Well, our family had a practice. Every weekend, we would, like, go for hikes, long, stinking hikes. And uh, so we would just go for walks. And it, as a boy, it's cool. You're kicking rocks, throwing rocks, you know, and, and making slingshots. It's, it's fun to go for walks and up in the forest. And, and I'll never forget two things about these dump sites. One, you could smell it from so far away. Just nasty. The, and you get closer to it, you know, and you can hear. I, this is going to gross you out. So I'm just helping you not be hungry for lunch yet. You can hear the maggots, like when you're far from it. You know, you just hear this like sound. And you're like, what is that? And you get closer. And it's like this carcass is moving. And you're just like, oh, my sick, right? And, uh, and then there's my dad's take on it. Yeah, that's what it smelled like in Vietnam. And you're just like, no, I'm damaged forever, you know? And, uh, and so you're just like, oh, man, you know, it was pretty sick. But here's another thing I remember about it, not just the smell of maggots, but I remember that you'd either smell it or you would know it's there because you would see vultures, circling around in the air, just like crazy amount of vultures. And vultures are a sick bird. Like, they're just the nastiest looking, right? And when you, when you come upon, like, this pile of guts and goo or fish, whatever it is, like, they go head deep into this stuff, and they already have kind of this red head, but now it's like goopy, bloody red head, right? And it was just, they're the nastiest birds, and they just kind of were huge to me as a kid, you know? I mean, these birds are very large, and they just like, you know, you could chase them away or play around and have fun. And I I find it, I I found it very uh, intriguing to me to kind of look at this story in John 8 in correlation to those circling vultures, and realize, man, you know, it even says here that uh, the, the, these people circled around Jesus. They gathered around him, and they gathered around the gal and tried to, to trap this gal, and they wanted to kill her. These vultures wanted to take her out, right? They, they weren't holding up the law as much as just like being vultures, Vultures would do the same with a a cow that was about to die. They just could sense it, and they'd begin to circle, and you would have to go out and protect your your sick cow or whatever on our farm. It was just a very interesting upbringing. But here's something intriguing. Jesus says in Luke 19.10 that he came to seek and save the lost. And you know how you can find the lost? Look for where the vultures are circling. We're going to talk more about that in a second, but Jesus knew where to go in the culture of that day. He knew that he needed to go to the temple that day because people were circling because he knew he was going to be able to turn a scenario in some lady's life that was messy, that was stinky, that was ugly, that was probably her lowest point in her life, that maybe she thought was finally the end. Maybe she was in misery and just wanted to be free, and she would take freedom either way, stoning or whatever. But Jesus gave her a new freedom. Unfortunately, sometimes in the church today, we come across, or or churches, I don't think Open Life does, but uh, and we strive not to, but the churches could come across as the vultures. The religious people of our day still throw stones even though this passage makes it so clear 
that we all should get second chances. What we're talking about here in this series, and we're going to look at different stories of Jesus and interactions where we all deserve a second chance. This girl caught in adultery in the act deserves a second chance. And Jesus made plain his value for us in that he paid the price for us, for our sin to be washed away once and for all. He erased for the lens of all eternity by putting our faith in Jesus. He erased the penalty of sin in our life if we'll just choose to follow Jesus. That's our second chance. If we can put our faith in Jesus, if we can get in an environment where we understand that, yes, even we can be forgiven. And sometimes that's not easy to come to grips with, that, yes, even we can be forgiven. The ultimate second chance is ours to experience, and fresh life awaits, free from the sins of our past. Um, I mean, the truth is we all need second chances. We all sin. Our lives are all messy in their own way. And God still is extending another chance for you and I. He offers second chances to each one of us. And uh, we're going to unpack kind of how a little bit today and in the the coming weeks. Um, How many of you like a good deal? Like you love to go to sales and you love like, you know, you hear the word sale and there's this compulsion in you to, to go to it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to confess. My wife's not in here, so I'm going to share a story. Um, no, I'm just kidding. You know, she loves a good deal, right? Dana loves a great deal. Uh, when she's on her game and she has like her two or seven Sunday papers coming in the driveway. That was funny, right? Uh, and, and her and the girls have their rulers out. I'm dead serious. They'll do this, right? They'll be tearing the coupons, right? And, and it's just like the Sunday afternoon ritual. It is on. They're going to save. Actually, they don't do that as much since Albertson's closed because they were the best place to get doublers. I still don't understand the math. But this, this deal that she would do, you know, she would like tear out all the coupons and disappear for a few hours, I would see then my phone rattle, right? And something would happen, and, and it was like, it would have a picture of this massive, like, loot of groceries or cleaning supplies or something that probably would last us a long time. And, uh, you know, and it's like hashtag coupons, hashtag I love sales, hashtag I have an addiction. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hashtag I miss Albertsons. No, it was like... Uh, I just, I think it's interesting, you know, she would, she would come home and she would play a game um, while truly I didn't care at the moment. I wouldn't tell her that. She probably now will hear. But anyway, the, uh, no, she knows, but she would come, honey, honey. She sets it out on the table to take like the perfect lighted picture of it. Guess how much it cost me, you know? And you're like, I have no clue what that cost you. But I would just say, you know, some random dollar amount. She's like, no, they paid me $5. Yeah, it's like, they asked me to leave by the time I was through the register. They hate me. I'm, and it's like a good thing. She's like, oh, you know, good deal. She knows how to get a value. And uh, she is an intense couponer when she wants to be. Interesting thing about coupons, though. They hold no value to you unless you redeem them. Right? I mean, it's a, that's why 
The people who make coupons love it. It doesn't cost them anything unless you actually redeem them. But yet they put value in that coupon when they create it and send it out. Well, you know, I think sometimes uh, loving this good deal, value is something that we talk about a lot in our culture, and uh, it's not hard to observe like a moment like this and a story like this and, and understand this concept of a good deal or value. But when we start to look at people through the same light as this whole coupon deal, and when we begin to believe as the church that people only have value if they're redeemed, then we're not thinking like Jesus. Because when God creates you, you have value. The creator always sees the value when you're created. And we need to not treat people like a disposable coupon if they don't provide any value for us, right? But sometimes we unfortunately do that. We find ourselves in the seat of the vulture because we're treating people like a coupon we don't need to redeem. But the coupon still has value. The person still has value. Interesting when you think of that correlation in, in light of 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. And we won't throw it on the screen, but it just says, you were bought at a price. It's, it's, it's God challenging us that Jesus went to the cross. He, he went to the grave and he rose three days later. He ascended into heaven and we were given the promised Holy Spirit for power to share about Jesus. And to be comforted. And to have hope. And to experience peace and life to the full because the Holy Spirit's living in us. And we're encouraged to understand the Holy Spirit's in us and we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We were bought at a price. That's a pretty expensive coupon, Jesus, the Son of God. That's a big risk to put that in the middle of the Sunday paper, (laughs) Jesus. But God did that for, for you and I, all of us. We're not worthless. If we look at our life like this coupon and we think we're not a desirable coupon, then we'll begin to devalue ourselves when God values us incredibly. He holds an amazing value on you at the moment of your creation. But yet we still slip into this mindset, if I was smarter, if I was prettier, if I was better, if only I i got to work harder. i got to be purer. i got to be more righteous. i got to be more holy. And then God will love me. No. You know what? You hold value way before you've ever chosen to follow Jesus. You just get to experience the fullness of that life when you make that decision. Our culture tells us essentially that value equals love. That we have to add to our life value so that people will love us. But that is backwards from what God teaches us. So, right, culture equals value equals love. But God shows us that love equals value. God so loved the world that he sent his son. He loves us first. He loves us first, and that gives us value. We have to come to grips with that or we'll always get back on the treadmill of self-righteousness and and works-based faith and try to earn our way into a right relationship with God. His love is a gift. It's absolute. It's final. We've got the value. Does that make sense? 
We've got to come to grips with that before we look at these, these two actionable items that we're going to grab from John 8. I mean, when we accept our second chance from God through faith in Jesus, we finally discover our value. But it's been there all along. Just like you discover the value of a coupon when you redeem it. But it had value all along. Uh, the challenge is for us to remember that we are not loved because we are valuable. We're valuable because we're loved. That's a challenge. Here's one more illustration before I look at a couple thoughts here for you today. Uh, there's a picture of uh, right here. This is, a, this is a photo that maybe, would you use that as like a screensaver? Uh, maybe on your computer? Does anybody still do that? Anyway, like, or in the back of your iPad or your 3D-ish iOS 7 uh, motion sickness platform. Anyway, if you, if, you, if you look at this, how many would, like, buy that picture, put it in a big frame, and hang it in your home? Anybody right here? Nobody, nobody appreciates great photography? Okay, here's what this is, right? This is just a waterway. It's a river in Germany. And you look at that, and you're going... Would you pay $100 for that picture? Would you believe that somebody paid $4.3 million for that photo? It's the most expensive photo ever sold. Is that crazy? Google it if you want, and you will see it right there. Most expensive photograph ever sold in the history. Andres Gurkski, or whatever his name is. It was sold at a Christie auction a couple of years ago. $4.3 million? Oh, my word. I'm getting in the photo biz, right? You're just like, wow, how do I get to that auction? You know, we didn't attest that value to it, though, right? You just look at that picture, and you're going, maybe it's the projector. I don't know. You know, it's just, it's just like I don't look at that photo even on, you know, retina display. I still don't say I would buy it for $4.3 million. Well, I couldn't buy anything for $4.3 million. That's besides the point. If I had that money, I wouldn't pay that much for it. And sometimes we look at lives around us, and, uh, and we do the same, don't we? We're like, maybe they just have stinky breath, or they don't dress the same as us, or they're kind of abrasive in their personality compared to our personality, and we don't attest any value to the people around us. But the reality is, if you live and breathe and, and, and are on the same planet with a heartbeat, God gives the same value to each of us. He would pay any price. Jesus going to the cross, his son is a lot more valuable than $4.3 million. And he did that for all. The psalmist says it like this in 150 verse 6. He says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. God desires everything that has breath to discover its true value, to take hold of your second chance. So imagine living a life realizing that you're loved and valued by God. How would that change your frame of mind when you mess up, when life sucks, when it's hard, when you're sad, when you're broken? That's kind of what we're, we're looking at. What do we need to understand? We need to understand two things. If, you're, if you've got the handout in front of you, uh, fill-ins are real easy. We need to move people from vulture culture to a grace culture. So from vulture culture to grace culture. We're living in a day, even where now 
the world has this vulture culture mindset, right? How many of you even knew what twerking was before the MTV movie, Music Awards, right? It's like we look at Miley having this, like, crash, and we just go, you know, oh, I can't believe Miley. I loved her nine months ago when she had long hair, you know, and, and, and her videos being posted and Facebook's blowing up and everybody's like, ew, and yet they're all watching it millions of times on YouTube. And you just look at this, this breakdown. Even my young girls are like, Dad, I sure liked the Hannah Man- Montana Miley. And you're going, it's reached, you know, to everybody, this, this vulture moment. And do we just go, judge or do we really are we broken over this individual who like could have incredible influence again jesus saw the vultures and knew that if he ran into there chased the vultures away that would have the greatest impact because those who need life and are experiencing like near death that's where the vultures are that's where hope needs to run what about my, my other boy? I mean, how many of us haven't used somewhere other than a bathroom to go to the bathroom? And my boy Bieber gets a picture taken of it, right? You know what I'm saying? Maybe you guys aren't following pop culture like I do. But the, just the reality of, you know, if you had a camera following you 24 hours a day, everywhere you go, maybe they would see you spit off a balcony or go to the bathroom in a bucket outside a nightclub. I don't know. But I'm just saying, if a camera was following me, I could guarantee a few things. I could probably guarantee a few things. I probably wouldn't be your pastor anymore. Um, Yet I would probably have a reality TV show, and uh, you would see me sin. You would see me lose my temper. Uh, You would notice all my bad habits. You would uh, have this (laughs) my wife said, I wouldn't be able to teach anymore. (laughs) And now you're afraid, aren't you? You're a little more nervous that you're sitting here today and listening to me talk. Good thing we're talking about the Word of God and and not me. But uh, it's just, I can't imagine having a camera follow me all the time, what I would do, especially when I was 20 years old. That would have really been bad. Believe me. And uh, I just go... I mean, I'm really not that thoughtful of a person and stuff with my personality. My wife reminds me of my family's birthdays. Are you thinking less of me yet? I mean, it's, it's not my hope. I'm just, God's given me second chance and third and fourth and fifth chance in my life. God gives us grace. We're all imperfect. Life is messy. Who's captivated your focus and made you want to be the vulture? Is it a family member? Do you want to just throw a stone at them? Who are you tempted to join in conversation about versus going to them and helping them through the life circumstance that they're in? Man, maybe it's time that we get down in the sand with them and find out what's really happening. It's not always easy. If you have kids, you know it's not easy when they're freaking out to just get down into their world and and somehow have enough patience for a conversation to happen. My kids are only 10. I can't imagine if they're youth. You know what I'm saying? Well, I can because I was a youth pastor for 13 years. But still, that's when you pray for the gift of wisdom and knowledge. 
The second thing here to try to jump into this grace culture. Jesus shows us this um, grace culture, and he got down on the woman's level. He's kneeling down. He's writing something in the sand. We have no idea what he wrote in the sand. And the posture of the religious was, you know, stone in hand, ready to go. But Jesus humbles himself in the middle of this scenario. And I can't imagine what was going through the woman's mind. Again, I mentioned earlier, she may have welcomed the stoning at that point in her life. We don't know the story. The backdrop of how this life of adultery tortured her. Was it willingly? Was she trafficked? What was her story? But we just see her in this moment of being caught. And we don't have a chance to have compassion on her before Jesus does. And he demonstrates it. And he just says to her, where are your accusers when he finally stands up? Vultures are everywhere today. They're holding signs. They're picketing funerals. They send impeach Obama Facebook posts every day. Can I just say I'm sick of that? I'm like, come on. Aren't we supposed to pray for our leaders? Bless those who persecute us? Every five minutes there's something on there. The hate on celebrities, even the false stories. I mean, they they spread all these like photoshopped images of celebrities. Hate, hate. We, We need to be higher. We need to live above that. Through one man's sacrifice, we all receive another shot at being called, or at experiencing all that life has to offer, the ultimate game-changing moment. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 5.6 it said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Said in verse Romans 3, 23 through 24, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus gives you and I and everybody in our circle of influence a second chance if we'll let him, if we'll be that voice of hope to those around us. And so today, I think, if you consider who you are in the story, If you just look at this story in John 8 and you go, man, who am I? What seat am I in? Are you the vulture? Do you recognize vulture characteristics in yourself that you just need to say, God, okay, yeah, I've I've been a vulture. Um, If we searched your pockets or your purse, would we find some stones that you've prepped that you're ready to throw? Are you caught? Are you today here going, oh my word, I needed to hear this? That was, that was me when I came back to church when I was 21. I sat there in the back and cried the whole Sunday. I was caught. The message was about my sin that day. I was caught. And it took me six months to grasp 
that the stones weren't supposed to be thrown. I was throwing them at myself. I was doing my best to take my own self out of the scenario. But Jesus got a hold of me. You may, you may feel like your value was lost long ago. But I got news for you. Your values never decreased. You can be redeemed today. All you have to do is follow Jesus. That's all. It's that simple. Choose to follow him. Maybe you're feeling conviction because you see the way Jesus treated this woman and you you know that you should be reaching out to others, giving them a second chance. And I don't know what scenario you're in. But I think we could radically, radically transform our city if we carry a mindset of the second chance. If we become people of the second chance, and if we empower others to have a mindset to be people of the second chance. If we'll rise above the vulture culture, and we'll live according to a grace culture, we can transform a city. And you might think you're not good enough. You might think you're not smart enough or whatever enough. But what we've read today in the Bible, the most historically accurate word ever written, the book ever written, it says that Christ is enough to redeem you. You know what would throw our city upside down? And maybe transform you and your friends? If you've chosen to follow Jesus and you've yet to be baptized in water, this afternoon we have a water baptism party. Could probably step right outside and baptize you by sprinkling, but you know, we have a water baptism party this afternoon and in a hot tub in a backyard. So that's nice. The Schultz have opened up their 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 home to us. We'll finish the Seahawks game and have some lunch. We'll, we'll we got some barbecue burgers and hot dogs and stuff and, and, and drinks, but then we'll 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 jump into the hot water and baptize anybody who wants to be baptized. What if today you not only embrace that Jesus can redeem you? What if you just kick the enemy in the face that wants to keep you down and wants to stone your world and you just go public with your faith and get baptized in water? Would that just be messed up? I think that'd be cool. I know, I know of some that have already expressed they're going to get baptized, but what if you haven't been baptized ever in your life but you've made the decision to follow Jesus or you're going to here in just a moment and you help us tear down real quick and then go to the Schultz house and you get baptized in a hot tub. How cool would that be to put that? We'll take pictures, video, send it to all your loved ones or put it online. How cool would that be to just say, where are your accusers? Man, you're transformed. You're redeemed. You have all the value in the world. Let's let the world know. Can I pray for you today? We're going to sing a simple song in closing while you think about what the next step is for you. On the back of your connection card, hopefully you filled out your connection card today. If not, now's a great time. But on the back of it, it has just some challenges. We would love to know what your next step is. What is it? Is it to make a decision to follow Jesus? Is it to 
Is it to inquire about baptism? Is it to get baptized? Is it, what is your choice? What's the next step for you? Is it to not participate this week in any vulture conversations? Or entertain them online? God, I pray for everybody here, including myself. I just come to you, Lord, and thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the promises in your word that tell me no matter what I do, I can't hide from the value you put in me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, your word says, and I thank you for that. I thank you that I can't mess up the value you place on my life. But I also am totally excited and thank you that you give each and every one of us the chance to live life to the full by simply choosing to follow Jesus as Lord. By putting our faith in what you did on the cross to redeem us, to help us experience our fullness of value. And if somebody in this room is yet to make a choice to follow Jesus, I pray that they would simply invite you into their life, that they would pray and just say, Jesus, come into my life. I I want to know what it is to follow you. I want to choose you as Lord. I want my life to be different from this moment on. I want to be redeemed and experience the value you placed in me every day of my life that I'm just now discovering. Maybe some in here are in a posture of needing forgiveness because they've been the vulture. Maybe even this week they've found themselves in a moment where they had the stone in their hand and they're just ready with all the condemnation and judgment that they could muster to throw that thing. So mad at the evil in this world or so mad at something that wronged them. But God, you still call us to be gracious, to live out a grace culture. I pray for them, Lord, that they would experience the fullness of your forgiveness today, that they would not listen to the enemy who would make them feel guilty, but they would just come and say, Jesus, help me not to throw the stone. Help me not to be the one who would throw the stone. Help me to avoid those conversations, those scenarios that would put me in the vulture culture. Help us to discover that you're enough for us, Jesus. In your name we pray.